previously on Danger Room. These guys are serious. Unless you're the main character, you're apparently now up for grabs. Wolverine wants to know if they're going to be involved, and Storm's like, I lead the Morlocks, so yep. I'm going on the record. I don't like Mutant Massacre. (laughs) Really? We are not friends, Riptide, and you are wrong. And he breaks Riptide's neck. The plan is let's take these guys back to our home, and then we'll come back later. I require a prisoner for interrogation. It's Arclight and Harpoon. And Scalp Hunter, and two guys that we haven't met yet, Sabretooth and Blockbuster. Harpoon, with a very comical grin, plunges his harpoons through Angel's wings, pinning him to the wall. And they're about to kill him. Yes, they kill are. Kill him now, says Harpoon. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. Is this show still a thing? I guess so. Oh. Uh, I, who, who is this? <laughs> I don't know. My phone's just started ringing, so I decided to answer it. Who is this? Uh, this is Adam, I just said. Oh my god, this is Jeremy. I know you. Yeah. Did you read your comics? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I did read my comics. Uh, we're here today... <laughs> Right now, we're back, everybody. We're back to discuss New Mutants number 46. What? What? We come back from a little hiatus, and we're going to discuss the New Mutants? I don't understand. Uh, it's the Mutant Massacre. Oh, that's right. So just to settle any any concerns or any worries that anybody may have, nothing happened to either of us of any substantial substantiality so speak for yourself i turned 40 well that's that's right you did i've been 40 for like a year now so it's it's old news everything just hurts more on me (laughs) (laughs) did you get a nosebleed when you turned 40 i did like the the day you turned 40 yeah the the morning i woke up i was reading the news on my phone and then i felt my nose like running and i went and it was like not stopping so yeah it, it was a bloody nose i read that in a biology book that's the very first thing happens that uh, when you turn 40. Wow. <laughs> Capillaries in your nose just burst. It's weird. weird <laughs> I figured it was just an ominous warning and I should just give up. <laughs> yeah. I think it means you have like two weeks. So it's a good thing we're doing this podcast now. This might be our last episode. Oh, man. Everybody had to wait so long for it. I hope it's a good one. I don't well, know. We're getting off to a good start. <laughs> yeah. I don't really care for the show, personally. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is all right. <laughs> this is my life. <laughs> New Mutants number 46. It's got a cover with some X-Men on it. So that's a that's a good sign. Yeah, and some Morlocks and even one new mutant. Uh, two. I, I count two. You're right. He's uh, Sam Guthrie there is in the spine of my uh, Mutant Massacre trade paperback. So I didn't mm-hmm. notice him. Clear out, kids, says Colossus. This is a job for the X-Men. Yes, says Colossus tearing open uh, the wall, I guess. Magneto's there in the foreground with Magma and Cannonball. Storm is carrying Nightcrawler and Kitty. You can see through Kitty, kind of. You're right, you can. I didn't notice that. You wouldn't because I... The colors are so dark that if you're just glancing at it, you think it's just Kitty running towards us. But if you look real close, you can see some of Colossus and some of the flames. Uh, Although it doesn't look like you can see much of Callisto, who is behind her. What I want to know is what made Colossus decide to burst through this wall, and why are Magneto and the New Mutants just standing there? It's a great question. Maybe uh, maybe this is an arcade murder world (laughs) tie-in. We need to go through that wall, but there's a door over... No, the wall! There's no time! <laughs> Smash. 
This one is called Bloody Sunday, and uh, it's written by Chris Claremont. Jackson Juice is the penciler. Kyle Barker, or, sorry, Carl, ugh, Kyle Baker is the inker. Glennis Oliver and Tom Morzikowski are coloring and lettering respect, respectively. And Ascenti is the editor, and Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief. It's been a while, folks. Yeah, oh my God, I don't even know how to read it anymore. <laughs> I don't even know who these people are. Jackson, Baker, I feel like he's 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 like somebody from uh, Scrooge McDuck or something. Kyle Baker, like like I, the comic. I could be book? Totally making that up. The inker. Oh, like like the the Scrooge McDuck comic book, or just like yeah, a yeah. character in Scrooge McDuck. The Scrooge McDuck comic book. Ah, okay. I never read those, but I've heard good things about them. I have uh, also not read them and heard good things as well. So, yeah, New Mutants. They're doing some training in the danger room. There's a very far away shot of the uh, mansion, and we hear a roar. Yeah, we do. And uh, Cheyenne, not Cheyenne, God bless it. She is a Cheyenne. Her new name is Valkyrie, uh, right? Uh, her her name is currently Mirage. I think she just becomes Moonstar. That's right. So I would accept Valkyrie. <laughs> I would also accept Mirage. I would accept Moonstar. And she had a previous name, too, I would, which I would also accept. I would not accept Cheyenne. <laughs> All right. I'm going to call her Cheyenne. I'm going to call Cali- uh, uh, Cannonball Alabama. And I'm going to call Warlock Moonman. <laughs> That's that's and then Demon Girl that'll be Ilyana. We're just gonna go with that. That's not a place. <laughs> You're doing good until you get to Ilyana. Ilyana would be Limbo. Nah, she's Demon Girl. It's <laughs> gonna come up with nicknames. Anyways, yeah, she's she's running out uh, to the front of the mansion and she sees one of those giant specters of death that she sees over somebody who's going to die, but she doesn't Whoa, see you're it. Jumping way ahead. Well, I don't care about this danger room stuff. Well, uh, go ahead, go ahead. It's important to know that the roar that we mentioned before was Lockheed. Well, yeah. And he burned a hole through the wall. Yeah. And that's that's sort of what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I just circled back to that. Okay, okay. <laughs> Anyways, the giant specter of death is not over a person. It's over the entire mansion. Um, do you think that's meaningful? Well, I don't know. I don't know if it's... If it's meaningful for, well, there's many events that are happening, right? There's the current um, uh, mutant massacre. There's the upcoming event. uh, And then there's tragedy within the new mutants. So I don't know what this specter of death is supposed to represent. I thought it was just a great splash panel. It is a great splash panel. It's really well drawn. Um, Meanwhile, though, on Muir Island... Uh, we get hey, we get Banshee's back. Yeah, the fabulous return of Banshee to the pages of a mutant comic book. It just his back. He's he's sleeping. Yeah, he and he and Moira just got done making love, so he rolled over, oh. and now she's in the shower. Okay, <laughs> it's the side of the comic that I did not see, and but I'm all right with it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, come on, they're adults. They got that whole island to themselves. Do they? I think. Where's uh, what's his name? Guy that multiplies. Oh, I guess yes. Yeah, he's in the base. He's in the basement somewhere. Speaking of which, are they? Isn't there a multiple man movie or TV show or something that somebody pitched? Uh, I don't know. Uh, James Franco is in the lead to play multiple man. For I don't know what for. Okay, Hmm. seems weird. Seems random. Anyways. Uh, Moira's in the shower and she's talking about how she's getting old. I think she just turned 40 because she's like, oh, I ran too much. My side hurts. I think I pulled a muscle. Yeah, she was doing some sort of uh, some jogging. Yeah. She's that's... been up for an hour, according to the caption. Quote, Forcing jogging. herself through her daily regimen of exercises, which I... I suppose still could be Banshee. Yeah, exactly. I think that's where she pulled her muscle. And good for her. 
gosh darn it, she deserves it. Uh, but Ilyana surprises her by showing up in her bathroom and not even allowing Moira the opportunity to grab a towel or some clothes and teleports her straight to naked limbo. Banshee's still asleep, Dr. McTaggart, but I left him a note to tell him where, you go, where, where, you, where you've gone. Not, I'm not sure why she's in such a hurry, but not in enough of a hurry to leave a note. <laughs> or like grab a sweatshirt for poor Moira, who's now in a demon uh, realm, completely naked and vulnerable. Yeah, while she was writing the note, she could have grabbed like a robe or something. I know. I mean, that's like the worst of all scenarios, just being trapped in somewhere completely foreign, completely naked. But, you know, she's Moira. She pulls it off in stride. She's like, ah, what are you doing, girl? Why have you brought me to this awful place? There's some shenanigans about, uh, I guess, because of the time travel aspect of traveling through limbo, uh, Ilyana cannot take Moira McTaggart quite back uh, to the mansion yet. Um, it's, it's really just a way to go. I don't know. I don't know where they're doing this. I think basically at this point, Ilyana and Moira are now looking back at what happened. I think it's, it's actually kind of neat. Uh, it's an aspect of time travel, uh, that you don't normally see. And, and there's, I feel like there is a payoff, um, sort of, but yeah, it's, I don't know. It's kind of neat. They, they, she, transported in space and time well i guess space to get moira but then as she traveled uh, uh in space back to the mansion she accidentally traveled in time as well but just back a few minutes and she's saying like oh i haven't left yet so i can't return which is neat but she doesn't really explain why she can't return i mean is that gonna cause a tear in the fabric of reality or something none of that's mentioned but you can't see yourself marty <laughs> Look at this picture, Moira. I'm fading. We got to wait until I teleport away. Um, it seems like an excuse to write a recap that isn't really a recap. It's it's not a recap. It makes me feel like the next few pages are a recap, even though they're not. Right. <laughs> Which is odd. It's a, I don't know. Whatever. It's an interesting storytelling device that, I don't know, maybe could have been executed a little bit better. I don't know. But uh, Ileana finally realizes that Moira doesn't have any clothes, so she whips together some punk clothes and explains that away by saying, like, well, I try to do good things here in limbo, but I'm a demon after all, and uh, even the most innocent spells are tainted by that darkness. And that's why you have punk spikes on your jacket. Everything turns into punk spikes. Yes. I understand. So they get a glimpse of what's going on at the mansion, and it does tie back to... Lockheed. So we we cut back to the mansion where we left off before this uh, Moira stuff, and Cannonball bursts into the uh, the hangar, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Lockheed is blowing holes in the wall. Uh, Cannonball crashes into a wall, and this is where the the X Men, I guess, are bursting through a wall for some reason. Yeah, is it ever explained why Lockheed was so angry at the beginning? Um, I don't think it really is. Maybe he could smell the scent of death. Maybe, maybe. Well, anyways, uh, the X-Men, the same, just about the same X-Men we saw on the cover are there. Rogue declares that they've made it home. They're safe. Uh, and that's when Ape topples over and Ape's not a light dude. It's essentially the cover. Yeah. Warlock freaks out that, that, uh, his self-sensors are showing that the X-Men and some Morlocks are injured. 
Multiple multiple energies, many scans register, life goes bright, dim, fleeting, termination of many entities, imminent, arg. And now that uh, the time has elapsed, the proper amount of time has elapsed, Moira and Kitty, no, uh, Moira and Eliana can show up. See, so the payoff for me would have been when Colossus, or Rogue says, uh, Colossus, help me with him. Colossus says, how, Rogue, we need a hospital and a physician for such wounds. The payoff for me would have been Ilyana in this time saying, hang on, bro. And then beaming back with this next panel where she's like, your wish is my command. And she instantly appears with Moira. That would be kind of, that would make sense because then... You know, we would get it, but maybe the X-Men wouldn't get it, but it would seem like she was gone in a matter of seconds, but yeah. we would know yeah. that they're right. That, that would have been, that would have been less would, pointless. It would have been better because we don't, I don't know that we ever actually see, we see Ileana in the first two pages, but I don't think we see her teleport away to go get Moira. So it's, I don't know. That's why the time thing is weird, but whatever. I, I, I think there's a nugget of an idea there that could have been fleshed out a little bit better. When did you leave? Yeah. <laughs> Were you gone, little sister? Why is Moira here? Is she here for a visit? I didn't know about this. Nobody tells Colossus anything. I am not good with time. <laughs> I am not good with plans. And yeah, um, Juliana says, that's when I left to get you. And now that I've gone, it's safe for me to return. Moira starts giving orders to Magneto, who follows them. Uh, Ileana notices that Kitty cannot unphase and Lockheed is upset about that he's flying to and fro through her or maybe just around her I think the X-Men give a recap to the new new mutants about what's going on about a massacre and the marauders and the Morlock tunnels and the killing and the death and uh, Nightcrawler doesn't call it a mutant massacre exactly Nightcrawler and Kitty got the worst of it They've got no idea who these marauders work for or what the purpose of their attack is. I left Wolverine behind to bring us a prisoner so we can learn. I've never seen such carnage, Storm, if the school isn't equipped to handle. Storm doesn't want to take the X-Men or the Morlocks to a hospital because they might get rejected and they're also trying to keep a low profile. So really, the mansion's it. Like, you got to make the best of this situation. She also wants to be able to protect them in case there's a secondary attack. Ah, yes, that's important as well. They don't know if the attacks are simply limited to the tunnels or if these are targeted attacks and more mutants are on the list. Right. So they can protect their home, not so much a hospital. I think so Storm wants to head back in to find more survivors. And uh, the, I believe the new mutants are commanded to stay back. Yes, she has a rogue... uh, Establish a perimeter, I guess. Um, ah, yes. They, so they, the New Mutants, uh, under, I guess, Rogue's tutelage, uh, they create kind of like a makeshift barracks inside, uh, some beds. Hospital beds and stuff like that. Sunspot really wants to help out. He's pitching in as best as he can, but he hasn't recharged in the sun, so his powers are getting weak. And he accidentally almost drops a biomatrix scanning device. Luckily, Colossus is there and catches it, and Magneto flips out. Da Costa! Had that a module been a damage, your carelessness would have cost lives. And I think... If I'm reading between the pages or if I just glean this from what I read, like Magneto would much rather be out there uh, finding these marauders and helping rather than staying behind with the students. So maybe that's why he's all bent out of shape. Or maybe he just doesn't like Sunspot. I don't know. I think he's just tense. 
Look around, you cannonball. Under the circumstances, I have neither the time nor the patience to solve a child's wounded pride. Yeah. yeah. So he just ain't got time for this. Get to work, exactly. everybody. Meanwhile, Sunder is not letting anybody cut his leg off, essentially. So he must have some gangrene or something's going on with his leg because Moira really wants to amputate it. And he, he has wants... mutant gangrene. <laughs> Maybe he has a blood clot caused by, uh, I don't remember any of their names. This is Sunder, right? I think I might have called him Ape earlier. It's not Ape. It's it's Sunder, right? I think you called him Ape when he was on the cover, but yeah, it's not maybe, Ape. Maybe not. I don't know. In any event, uh, just want to set the record straight there, everybody. Oh, yeah. Not Ape. Yeah. Is Ape, Ape is, no, Ape is with X Factor. Yeah. Ape, isn't Ape the shape changer who, who can change into yes. anything, but he's just too dumb to figure out good things to turn into? That's Ape. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so Sunder is so strong that when Magneto takes the metal floor and wraps it around him with his magnetic powers, he's able to break through it. It's pretty powerful. A Magneto asks, or no, Moira asks Karma to possess Sunder, which uh, she attempts to do. However, Sunder is in so much pain that she can't hold on to it. It's when Betsy Braddock steps in. Um, is, this, is this the first official appearance of, was she in X-Men yet? I think she was. Uh, well, last, we're, we're last in, issue, wasn't she? She was in last issue of the X Men. I think she like wished the team luck or something like that. Yeah, she had like a panel. She uh, steps up to the plate and uses her telepathy to control his mind. And it, apparently, she's it's taking a lot of her will and strength to do this, but she's not even breaking a sweat. Um, yeah, I guess because of the amount of pain and agony that Sunder is in, it's it's not an easy task, right? And to me, like this whole panel with her and her uh, her um, uh, dedicated face to this cause or, or just this very serious uh, face. And then the fact that she's taking all of this pain uh, away from uh, uh, Sunder and presumably feeling it doesn't really set up the arc in the X-Men <laughs> for me. And I will talk about that in a couple of episodes, but it's a whole thing about her not being ready to join the team. But here to me, she's like, oh, I got this. And she comes in and she just does it. Well, you know, little Chris discre- Claremont's having trouble keeping his new mutants and his X-Men straight. Right. It's a little, just a little discrepancy. And I could understand this if this was like the pages of the Avengers and like somebody else was writing, but no, it, this, is, this is all Chris. Anyways... Um, uh, Valkyrie, uh, Moonstar, Mirage. Cheyenne, is, if you uh, will. <laughs> not Cheyenne. Anything but Cheyenne <laughs> is still seeing the death's head, which I guess she has realized has, is, is for all of the, the Morlocks at this point. Okay. She wants to save all these poor people, but death's too, too strong. There's only so much she can do. She's no match for the Reaper. And when she talks Ella- about, like, death and the Reaper, is she talking about, like, the entity death that we met in uh, Secret Wars or just, like, generic death? I don't know. Um, kind, It, it seems like it because in the pages of New Mutants, she has fought and battled. Um, those are the same thing death uh but i i i'm i guess there's only one death in the marvel universe but i really i don't maybe it can take up multiple forms i don't really know yeah me neither i think so but i i, I could go either way cannonball and moonstar what yeah alabama, alabama and cheyenne because they're co-leaders they meet up in the hallways and uh, uh they have a hug a respite from all of the drama that's going on uh, Sunspot and Rain have an argument in the kitchen because Rain is making sandwiches to help out, and Sunspot is still angry about Magneto having yelled at him. Very dis- 
very disappointed in, in Sunspot, right? I mean, Rain's doing everything she can to, to help out the people that are working, to help out the people that are wounded. And Sunspot comes in all butthurt that Magneto yelled at him. And he decides to destroy the kitchen and all the sandwiches because he does not approve of Rain playing the happy homemaker. Yeah, he's he's turning into a hothead jerk. I don't know, maybe he's always been like this. I think it turns on and off. I think they're amping this up because doesn't this whole hothead sunspot thing pay off at some point? Maybe. Yeah. We'll find out in the pages of New Mutants. Probably. So yeah, they they made a mess of the kitchen. Uh, Rain starts turning into her werewolf form, which alerts uh, Moonstar. (laughs) (laughs) Because they share a psychic link. Only when she's in her werewolf form. Right. And she has a psychic link with all animals. Oh, I didn't know that. Although I think they have a even more special mind link because she knows rain or something. I don't know. So they head off into the kitchen, uh, scold these two kids for what they're doing. And uh, I don't know. They get yeah, back Danny to work. Danny Cannonball yell at them. You guys are acting like babies. No wonder they call us ex-babies. Right. Uh, Doug Ramsey goes and, and uh, hits up Warlock, who's outside with a bunch of scanners on because he's doing uh, a periphery or perimeter scanning. But he's not scanning for the Morlocks. Well, we don't know what he's scanning for quite yet. It we, just Doug comments that he, he seems like he's really on edge. Yeah. I mean, and by talk about it. looking at the book, you'd think that, yes, he's on sentry duty, but he's being a little dismissive, a little aloof, and not quite the Doug Locke pairing we've seen in the past. I've never seen Locke manifest so many sensors. He's scanning for something, but what? And why won't he talk about it? Uh... Yeah, Karma, she's calling up those kids I think we met in one of the New Mutants annuals who's staying at her house or her parents' house or some affiliation. Yeah, they're, they're staying. I think she has an apartment in the city or something like that. But And they, they she, she lives there part-time. Nobody's answering the phone, and so she's a little worried that whoever is doing the things to the Morlocks may have... Maybe targeting her or family members of mutants. So her and uh, Ilyana teleport off to the apartment. Back in a jiff. Hey, where are you gals going? And so they leave. Um, they Doug catches them leaving and runs along to tell Cannonball and Danny, "Hey, the the, the they they ran away." And everybody's like, well, "Should we go after them?" Warlo- Suppose the death images I saw weren't weren't for the Morlocks, but maybe they were for them. Right, right. So she wants to take off to Mirage's apartment to check out how everything is. Uh, Karma and Ileana show up at the apartment and nobody's there. Um, Karma goes to turn the light on and that's when the apartment blows up. Wham! The new mutants are having a meeting discussing what they should do. Um, half of them are like, we've waited too much, wasted too much time. The other half are like, I don't know, we were told to stay here. We should probably stay here, shouldn't we? They should be back by now. uh, Sunspot's being a jerk about Doug. Not merely a tattletale, Douglas is a toady to boot. No honor, less guts. You take that back to Costa. So ultimately, whether it's peer pressure or genuine feelings, they decide to disobey the X-Men and head down to the Morlock tunnels. Yeah, they take a vote. They already rules. Yeah, I don't know. That's what they say. Um, they actually don't want to go through the Morlock tunnels, but um, Morlock wants them to go through the tunnels. Yeah, it's... That's right. So he turns into a car, and uh, I think Moonstar's like, why 
Why are you a car? Somebody's like, why are you a car? Shouldn't we be flying? It'd be a lot faster. Why tunnel? Why travel through these tunnels at all where we might run into those marauders? Be a whole lot safer and faster to fly above ground. And, and Warlock just simply says, no. <laughs> Transport appropriate. Alternative unavailable. Self-friends must utilize mode offered. Self is a little bit more than weird by organic human standards. And self is simply acting the part. Self has been scanning wild data. So they all get into the warlock car and they take off. When from behind the, I don't know, garbage in the tunnels, another creature that looks just like warlock. It's Magus. <laughs> he, he comes up and says, uh, seek as hard as you like, my wayward son. Soon you will die, more or less. Magus is back. Yay. <laughs> Uh, the new mutants arrive to where they're going in the city and they pop out of a man, uh, manhole and they're freaked out about how much death and the smell and it's, all the, the, the bodies that they saw. So I guess instead of spending the time that we spent for Ileana's time travel, we could have had maybe a page or a few panels of Warlock driving by dead bodies. Not that I need to see dead bodies, but we just transitioned from... All right, let's get in the car to, oh, my God, can you believe what we just saw when we were in that car? I'd prefer this way. Um, I don't because, because we've already we've already seen the, the dead bodies in the previous issues. I get it. But so you get to the fourth panel here where Sunspot is just angry. He's like, those marauders cursed their souls. They killed and killed and killed. I wish I'd never have come. If we could have seen maybe not even the dead bodies, maybe we just see the car through multiple panels driving through the tunnels and we see the expressions of the new mutants as they see the dead bodies. And then we can more connect with the uh, emotional outbreak that Sunspot has here. Yeah, that would, that would, I, I can't argue with that. That, that does sound like a cool set of panels, but, but no, we don't, but I still that. think it works. Mm. And so we spend a whole page just kind of uh, decompressing with the new mutants who saw all of this. Uh, that's why I think it could have used more. <laughs> like, it's not just a single panel of the new mutants being angry. It's a whole page of them dealing with what they just saw that, that we didn't get to see them see. But whatever. Maybe New Mutants is considered for a less adult audience. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. I feel like the New Mutants generally has darker tones than the X-Men. Yeah, maybe. But... Anyhow, uh, they do see that Karma's apartment or whatever is on fire, and they're they're really worried that they must be dead. So they got to get up there and see what's going on. Before they go up, Ilyana and Shan show up, and Shan's unconscious, but they manage to teleport out at the last second. They have no idea what happened to Shan's brother and sister. Oh, that's right. And that's when Warlock starts freaking out. Alarm, 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 life and world and self and eminent. Friend threat mandates total survival mode, fastest flight response to sanctuary. Of them up and turns, I guess, into a giant version of himself and runs back into the tunnels, maybe? I'm not really sure where he goes. Let's just say a back alley. I think he runs into the tunnels and... Yeah turns into like a warlock tank and a warlock squid and then i think he disincorporates or discorporates yeah, he, he says probability of success resistance mode non-existent terror termination hopeless self-lost despair why go on cannot go on that's when the new mutants figure out oh we've seen warlock act like this it was the first night we met him when he was telling us about his father and that's when tentacles come out at them and they're like hey 
I've been mean. I've been waiting for this. I'm Magus. I'm gonna kill you. So the tunnel itself is Magus, which it's confusing because if Warlock has all these sensors, why did he run into this tunnel? Oh, well, yeah, yep. He 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 does go into this manhole in this panel, and then as he is running and driving through the tunnel, tunnel, it it does look very circuit tree-ish. So well, and then in the in the I am Magus panel, they're completely surrounded by a gigantic Magus. Yeah. So I'm just assuming that the whole tunnel um, was either layered with him or was him. Yeah. I give you that. And the new mutants are, are I don't know, taken out, bound up. Oh no, what happens is uh, he, he is about to infect them with the transmode virus, but Ilyana is able to teleport them out in the nick of time. But no matter... Magus will will get them. Yep. <laughs> That's... Is this the first we've heard of the transmode virus? Or is that what Warlock has been using whenever that, he yeah. kills birds and stuff? Yep, that's what Warlock uses too. I mean, that's that's yeah. food for whatever aliens Magus and Warlock are. They got to okay. turn organic material into techno stuff. I just know it's, it's eventually going to become very important. Yes, it will. And that's New Mutants number 34, but we're not done yet, folks. There's a there's a whole in-betweener. That was New Mutants number 46. I don't care what it was, Adam. Stop <laughs> correcting me. You're making me look bad in front of the fans. <laughs> there's a there's a series of other issues that that happen between X-Men and X-Factor. Uh stuff that I had never read before and Honestly, stuff that was not really all that interesting. So let's turn our attention to Thor number 373, or really maybe just the last five pages. Yeah, we're going to skip most of this. Although those frogs are in this issue. I, I think I include, like, I think we're, yeah, we'll talk about the the frogs, but I do want to talk about the title. It's a pretty, or the, the cover, it's a pretty sweet cover. Oh, let me flip it's back. one of those uh, ones that we talked about where the, the the frame, the Marvel frame with all the characters is there and Thor's in the middle and he's got a beard and it's it's very sketched. Who's? Simonson. Oh, this is Walt Simonson. Yeah. The cover is good. It's better than the rest of the issue. Well, the artwork inside is by Sel Posima, who is no Walt Simonson, but he's, he's it's good. gets the job done. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen this cover before I read this issue. Um, and I was actually a little surprised that this was a art style in like Marvel heyday, if that makes any sense. It's a very different style than you're typically used to seeing on a cover of a comic book is all I'm trying to say. I want to say it's not exactly the usual Walt Simonson style either. So it is, I think it is a little bit different. I like it, I guess. It's cool. That's what I'm trying to say. I like it. So uh, lots of Thor stuff happens. Thor comes back to Earth and um, he's in his human form as Sigurd whatever. Right, but not the other guy. So there's a couple of things I'm confused about. Um, is, I probably don't have the answers, but ask away. <laughs> is this Thor the same Thor that's always been Thor? Yes. Okay, so what about Blake? Blake Donald Blake. Donald Blake. He, I don't know why, but he doesn't have that identity anymore. So was Donald Blake like a Bruce Banner Hulk split, or was he well aware that he was Donald Blake? I I don't know. Okay, all right, moving on. I want to say that uh, Donald Blake was just Thor in his secret identity. Okay, but like the, these Thor issues go out of their way to be like, I used to be a doctor in my other identity, but now I'm not. I kind of wish I was, but I'm not. Yeah, I don't know how Thor works. Okay, me neither. As like, yeah, is is. As Thor, does Thor start out as like a concept 
Because I feel like Donald Blake found a stick, and then when he tapped it on the ground, it became a hammer, and he turned into Thor. I might have that completely wrong. <laughs> Uh, those are all things that happen, but I don't, I don't know, I don't know the origins of it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like his origins may have changed over time, but again, yeah, yeah. I mean, Donald Blake did have a walking stick, and that walking stick did turn into Thor's hammer. I also recall, like, reading either in like the Marvel superheroes role playing game or a official guide to the Marvel universe, if he didn't have hold of his hammer um he would go back to his secret identity oh i doubt that because part of the whole appeal of thor is he gets to throw his hammer and it comes back or maybe if he doesn't have contact with his hammer for like more than 15 seconds i don't maybe. know some weird I, like doesn't sound like anything i've heard of but okay that doesn't mean it's not a thing anyhow so thor is hanging out with all these kids who he's watching for the day. And he's telling a story about how Odin was secretly being somebody, um, a, a boat master or something like that, to teach Thor a lesson. When a bunch of frogs come up, and we know these frogs, one of them was in an issue of X-Men, uh, the annual, I believe. Uh, and th that's Puddle Gulp. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the other one is Bug Eye. I don't think we've met Bug Eye yet. Not the, that it matters. They're, they're all, frogs. They're all frogs to me. So the frogs come up to Thor and they're like telling him about how uh, there are dead alligators in the sewers. And th so Thor says, sorry, kids, I got to go investigate. And they're like, okay, Thor. And he's like, how did you know I was Thor? And was like, well, we went through your bags. We saw your hammer. <laughs> we were checking out your hammer. <laughs> uh, uh, so he sends the kids back away using Thor teleportation, yeah, which other, I didn't know was a thing he could do. The other thing I get out of these two issues, because I, I don't think I've ever, I think this is, and I, I didn't read this entire issue. The, the next issue of Thor I read, well, most of. I've never read, this is the most Thor I've ever read, ever. This uh, comes at the end of the Walt Simonson run. Uh, he's no longer drawing, but for a while he was writing and drawing. Now he's just writing. I don't know how much longer he continues writing. Uh, I know that the run that precedes these issues is one of the most famous, if not the most famous Thor run ever. Yeah, I'm not and, saying it's. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just Thor does a lot of things that I didn't know he could do. Like he's teleporting all over the place. He's lightninging. He's firinging. He's I don't know, rumbling ing. It's like he can <laughs> lots do lots of rumbling ing, lots of inging things. But it's like he, he, whatever he needs to do, Mjolnir can do it for him. Yeah, Mjolnir's pretty powerful. Yeah. So, so he goes into the sewers as he said he was going to do. Um, after after becoming Thor again, he's no longer Sigurd Jorlson. Jorlson. I I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm not even going to try. No, Sigurd Jorlson sounds good to me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he sees the dead bodies, um, similar to what I imagine the New Mutants saw as they were traveling through the tunnels. And see, this is this is OK, right? You see Thor walking and, and you don't see like gratuitous dead bodies. You see like a hand and you see some silhouettes. And that's one panel. You don't need to be like all in your face about it. Just like, OK, we get we get the idea. Thor saw some dead bodies like this ain't good. Something's something. Something's going down. Meanwhile, at the other end of some tunnel, um, we cut back to the end of X-Factor where uh, Angel is pinned up to a wall by two of Harpoon's harpoons. And they're ripping, uh, I don't know what this big guy's name is. Blockbuster. Oh, Blockbuster. Yep. Blockbuster is ripping his feathers out. Yeah. And Angel is going, aye. 
That's music to my ears, Floyd boy. You sing just like a bird. Thor jumps in and he's like, Thou is there then, forest solest in thy tunnelst. Forest? Where'd you get forest? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing Thor speak. Whenever I read Thor now, um, I noticed as I was, I mean, I don't read Thor a lot, but I noticed while I was reading these issues, I hear Chris Hemsworth. Well, of course you do. Yeah, it's kind of, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but. First of all, Chris Hemsworth is dreamy. <laughs> Second of all, he's got an excellent voice. And third, that Ragnarok movie was through the roof. It's great. That was good. That was a good one. So, yeah. There is yet some poor soul in these tunnels of evil and his tormentors have not yet slain him. Yeah, that's not, I don't know if you're trying to do Chris Hemsworth, but you you didn't. That's as close as I will get. <laughs> oh, all right. Just imagine me, but muscular. Uh, oh, and also as Chris Hemworth. I'm, I'm doing my best. It's just not coming to me. Uh, yeah, and these guys don't recognize Thor. They think he's a mutant, so they attack him. But this is Thor, for God's sake. So he just, he says nay, and they go flying. I say the nay. And then uh, he slams his hammer on the ground, which goes shack. Thum. He says, the living lightning shall give thee pause. Okay. Thor's, Thor's got the best, like, uh, like, like one, one liner yells. I guess. Get thee back, thine villain. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so they get blinded and they, they run off because they're like, well, we can't handle this guy. Flee, Cravens. The tunnels are not large enough to hide you from the wrath of Thor. He thinks that. Angel is dead, uh, and he oh, actually he first thinks that this is the angel of death, uh, but then realizes that no, it's just a guy, another victim of those marauders. Angel stirs, yep. Angel stirs, and Thor pulls. Well, is getting ready to pull him down to to save him. When I don't know, he hears something and he turns around. The sound of footsteps approaching behind me. Methinks that the marauders have gotten over their first fright and returned to finish the job. Come, bold assassins. You shall find the son of Odin waiting for you in the dark. And that's the end of what we care about in Thor. We're going to jump ahead and we're going to read the first half of Thor 374. And then we're going to we're going to we're going to stop and take a break to discuss what we learned. <laughs> there will be some questions some flashcards. I didn't read them in this order. So this will be interesting to see how this all connects together. Um, it just it just uh, uh cleans up some continuity errors if we if we read it differently. Sure, sure. So Thor 374 continues immediately after we just left with well those same marauders coming back to face Thor. They brought Vertigo with them. Yes. Um they fight relatively uninterestingly except that Vertigo does her vertigoness against Thor, who who is actually having quite an effect on Thor, but then he uses Mjolnir to spin in the opposite direction to counteract Vertigo's vertigo, and she's like, oh, I'm losing my balance. And then he slams his hammer to the ground and says, enough, let the lightning and the storm speak with the voice of Thor. And the lightning and the storm speaks with the voice of Thor. Baroom! The heat, I can't stand it. And they run off again. <laughs> and he says, flee Cravens again. He must say that a lot. Yeah. Is there a different writer here? No, it's, it's Walt Simonson again. Mm, it is. It's just weird that, like, we we essentially had these same two pages in the last issue, but, I just mean. Just with extra vertigo. Yeah, extra vertigo. So now Angel, or uh, Thor pulls Angel off the wall um, as gently as he can. Um 
And uh, Angel's Are wondering. Are he safe? Did he make it? Says Angel. I guess he didn't. I can't seem to do anything right anymore. Just leave me alone. Let me die. <laughs> so clearly, uh, Walter Simonson has been getting the what's going on from Louise Simonson. Yeah, they've been talking, chatting. Make sure Angel's super whiny. Well, they're married, aren't they? I think so. Maybe, maybe, maybe not yet. Maybe they are. I don't know. Is she still uh, Louise Jones in when she's writing X Factor? My only point is, if they're not married, they're dating. But I wonder, like, what a relationship. Do you think they just like would sit up in bed at night, you know, before they go to bed and whatnot, and just be like, "Hey, you know, I want to do this thing with Angel. Oh yeah, I want to write that into Thor." Actually, the last issue of X Factor, X Factor Ten, that we covered was. Written by Louise Simonson and drawn by Walt Simonson. Oh, so they're totally on the same page with what's going on. Yeah. Oh, neat. So anyways, that's, that's why Angel's carrying forth the same, uh, woe is me, pity attitude. And that same thing, I imagine that they're they're in bed together and he's writing his script and she's writing hers. And he's like, uh, what, what, what do you think uh, Angel would say? What do you think of just leave me alone, let me die? Is that is that good? And she's like, yeah, that, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, so this is where Thor's talking about the doctor I once was demands that I secure his needs, but the Viking warrior is not so sure. So that's I don't know how Thor works. Yeah, again, I don't. And he's and he's Sigurd Jarlson, not Donald Blake. So who knows? Whatever. He was given his all in his battle, and Valhalla would be his reward in my world should I deny him his dying wish in this one. So he's contemplating, like, well, let's let this dude die. He wants it. The tunnels collapse. Luckily, uh, no one is hurt. And Thor carries Angel off into the tunnels. Together we shall seek the sun. And woe to any who come between us and our goal. And we're going to jump ahead because we don't care about Balder. Nope. And we cut over to the uh, Harpoon and Blockbuster are in the tunnels with Sabretooth. So, uh, grumbling, essentially. I like this. Uh, in the everything we've seen thus far of the Marauders, they've been like just whipping through the Morlock tunnels, just killing everything that's moving. And they're moving. They're in charge of the situation. They've taken out Nightcrawler. They've taken out Kitty. But now here they are. They're just like sitting on the side against a wall. Um, uh, uh, Blockbuster's just all glum, like hanging his head into his arms and harpoon. He's just like, oh man, I can't believe that this just happened. And then even Sabretooth is just kind of hunched over, like kind of like giving them like little fatherly advice. Like guys, you got, are you okay? <laughs> Buck up buddies. It's going to be fine. Not really. He does uh, end up goading uh blockbuster into running back to go get Thor basically. Cause he's like, look, I get it, Harpoon. You, you got Harpoons, and it's Thor. But that strong guy over there, like, he can't, he can take out Morlocks left and right, but he can't take out Thor? I guess he doesn't have what it takes. And that's when and Blockbuster's like, Blockbuster what? is very irked by that and walks off. But he even thinks I'm to, gonna go find him. But he even thinks to himself, good enough for Morlocks, but not for a god. Well, how do you put those two things together? Like, is anybody good enough for a god? <laughs> yeah. 
like, I don't know. If you would have replaced that with good enough for Morlocks, but not good enough for Thor, then I might be like, all right, yeah, you go get, you go get him, Blockbuster. Or, or maybe he's just like, maybe he's thinking what you're thinking. Obviously, nobody's good enough for a god. Don't be stupid. <laughs> But, Sabertooth. But he says he's going to go find Goldilocks and wring his neck like he promised. And then he's going to come back and uh, go back to Sabretooth. And he's going to take him apart claw by claw. Blockbuster, um, well, Harpoon reminds me of, of G.I. Joe. He reminds me of like a character that could be in Cobra. Mm-hmm. Um, Sabretooth could be maybe in like the later years when we had characters like Raptor or something. <laughs> sure. Stupid characters. And, and Blockbuster... He he doesn't really fit into GI Joe, but maybe maybe he could be a dreadnought or something. So, uh, Raptor was action figure wise was Cobra, but in the comic books, did he actually make it to the Cobra team, or did he just follow Cobra Commander around? Because didn't everybody call him like mentally irregular and stuff? Yeah, but I think he worked for Cobra, but I don't I don't think he was ever like like Cobra had. arms all over for they were they were a huge network and he was just one of the members of cobra was he a member though because i recall raptor joining right around the time that um cobra commander got his battle suit and met his son and then like wasn't he killed or thought no cobra commander and then somebody you know he was he was fake killed fake killed and then his son like or was it his son took over the commander Cobra Commander role? No, it was one of the Freds. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a Fred. Um, but I thought Raptor was like like one of Fred's friends. or He gets introduced right around that era, and Cobra Commander's like, yeah, this guy's weird. Yeah, I think you're right. He is a friend of Fred's. Um, so, so that's made me wonder, did, did Raptor, like, in the comics, did he ever get, like, his Cobra badge? Or was he just like, yeah, I'm bad, and I'm friends with Fred, and you're Cobra Commander, and I got a falcon on my shoulder. I just realized that saying that Cobra Commander was taken over by one of the Freds makes no sense to anybody oh, man, who with, hasn't read G.I. Joe. With as much as we talk about G.I. Joe on this podcast, there's some people that have been like, I gotta check this out. It sounds really yeah, weird and interesting. I hope we've got, gotten at least one person to read G.I. Joe. It, That's my whole hope. It's better than it should be. I'll just say that. It's so much better than it should be. Anyhow, uh, Thor does run across Artie and doesn't immediately know who he is or recognize him, but eventually works out that this must be the Artie guy that Angel was talking about. And Artie uh, wants to know, he asks if uh, Warren is dead by putting up an image of a graveyard. And that's how Thor figures out how to communicate with Artie. Yep, he realized... The man I bear is not dead, but gravely wounded, and I am attempting to find a way out of the tunnels to the light. So he offers to help Artie get out with Angel, and just as they all kind of team up together, Blockbuster drops in through the ceiling and lands with his giant feet directly on Thor's arm, breaking it. Snap. Yeah. And uh, it throws Thor across the room, and now Blockbuster's like, yep, this is it. You ain't going to get a chance again. Uh, Angel wakes up and is like, whoa, what's going on? Hey, that's the giant who helped pin me to the wall, and he's going to kill somebody. I got to stop him. I can't let him do something while I still draw breath. My wings can't carry my weight, but I don't. I won't be doing any, any more flying anymore. Ah. So it looks like he's able to get like a little bit of air. Maybe his this would, I guess, officially be his last flight spoilers with these wings. Uh, he kind of bites his cheek. Yeah. 
<laughs> he gets in there. He does whatever he can to block Buster. He's he's totally out outmatched, but he's trying. And uh, it, it's enough of an opportunity for Thor to regain his bearings and use Mjolnir to literally smash in Blockbuster's face. Yeah, Blockbuster's dead. <laughs> and, and it's not even danced around. Uh, he says something like, oh, you're going to, hello, we'll deal with you, right? Which which is a hint that you're dead. But later on, he's like, oh, I slew him. He's he's dead. <laughs> like, I killed yeah. him. Not even mincing words. Blockbuster's dead. I love this panel that has Artie scared in the foreground as Blockbuster grabs Angel. Yeah. It's like ah, some, some harsh crap going on. And so he is able to recollect uh, Artie and Angel. Artie projects an image of Cyclops and Jean. And now Thor is recognizing these folks from another time and another place. The tug on my arm tells me that you may know how to find them. And where they Lead are. On, child, I will bring our fallen angel. So he is passed out again. It's more, not good for much. More Thor stuff happens. Just, and that's when we're going to cut over to Power Pack number 27. Oh, my God. You're going to make me get a bookmark? Okay. Mm. Power Pack number 27. Uh, this has a cover of Sabretooth getting ready to kill uh, Franklin. Franklin Richards with Power Pack flying in behind and Wolverine getting ready to. shirtless for some reason. Yeah. Was Wolverine shirtless when we last saw him? I don't remember. I'm flipping back now to find out. No, um, he wasn't shirt, shirtless. He was not shirtless. At some point between the last issue and this cover, he lost his shirt. We'll have to see if he loses his shirt in the actual issue. Well, oh, is this happening during the next issue of X-Men? No, it's not. The beginning of the next issue of X-Men, he refers back to this power pack issue. Yeah, so this is happening before that issue of X-Men. Yes, and after the last issue of X-Men, which in both cases, he has a shirt. All right. So if he doesn't have a shirt in this issue, it's a continuity error. <laughs> or he ran back or to the mansion. <laughs> he, his shirt got damaged off panel. He ran back to the mansion before the next issue to get a new costume. <laughs> I'm just going to leave this here. <laughs> I feel like walking around shirtless. I'll pick it up later. Um, all right. So this is Power Pack issue. Um in case we describe power pack powers and how they're using them and you go, what are you guys talking about? That's not what power pack does. You should know that at some point in the last couple of issues, all the power packians switched powers. After the climactic battle on Snark World. Yes. So there's also some infighting about how they're they're like, oh, he can use my powers better than I can. I wish it's, I, it's good stuff if you like Power Pack. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a good, it's a strong issue of Power Pack if you're a Power Pack fan. So, uh, and that's good backstory. Um, but anyways, Franklin is spending the night because I don't know, Fantastic Four are gone, but he's hanging out with the Powerses, and they uh, they all go to sleep after maybe watching some movies and eating popcorn. And Frank, watch a news bit about uh, X Factor. Ah, that's which, right. They don't like X-Factor. Those guys are terrible. They're mutant hunters. But those X-Terminators, those are the good guys. I think that's Jack, right? Isn't Jack um, the redhead kid? Jack and Alex, I think. All right. So Alex is the tall blonde kid. Jack is the younger kid. And 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 Jack is like, ooh, those X-Factors. And that persists throughout the entire issue. So Yeah, you know, it keeps us in our timeline yeah. of X-Factor bad, X-Terminators good. But Jack's the hothead of the Power Pack team. And this issue was written by Louise Simonson as well, so ah. it all it all works together. And that's why, that's 
why uh, X Factor, should they appear in this issue, I would assume would be well written. Yes. Um, the, uh, the Power Packians and uh, Franklin go to sleep and they wake up in the middle of the night as Franklin is having one of his dream power things where he is projecting an image of leech holding on to caliban and crying that's when where we last saw Artie ran off and left leech and caliban behind we we now know what happens to Artie, but we don't know what has happened to leech and caliban yet and so the power pack kids reason that this is happening now and for some reason it's uh, Franklin is projecting it here, so they need to do something about this because Leech is their friend. Yeah. And they've got power pack powers, so they might as well, you know, use those powers to help their friend. Frank well, also mentions that it's like a war down in the sewers. Yeah. So they're, they want to go check that out. They just went through a war, the Snark War. Ah. So they uh, they head down. There's some more talk about alligators. Um Power Pack kids eventually run into Scalp Hunter, who's killing everybody in sight. No, they don't run into Scalp Hunter. They're they're looking for for Leech, but we do flip scenes to further down in the tunnels where Scalp Hunter is killing everybody, and Scalp Hunter comes across Leech and Caliban, who is just shooting and shooting and shooting, and Leech gets uh, grazed. Does he? Now he says no hit, and there's like the second Blam down looks to cut his shirt. Oh, maybe. Yeah, it's oh, yeah, there's there's a sound effect. Rip. Yeah, and uh, Caliban is is unconscious. Oh, these alligators reminded me. Thor knew Piper, which was part of the when he when he was getting it out into the sewers. He was like, "I know a guy named Piper. I wonder if he's still there." Isn't, Random note. Yeah, I remember that. Isn't Piper dead? Uh, no, Piper's still alive. Um, he's with X Factor. Ah, okay. He might not be alive for much longer. I don't remember. I don't remember either. Leech pulls Caliban, uh, trying to drag him to his mama, to Anna Lee. And he knows that Power Pack is here, or he's just hoping Power Pack will come? I think he's just calling for anybody. Mama Anna Lee, Power Pack, come. A prayer for protection to the few other beings who have ever loved him. Okay, sure. He's basically listing off everybody he knows. Just two people. Yep. <laughs> well, a group and a person. So power pack, they fly into the tunnels and they see alligators and dead bodies. And uh, this is pretty gruesome for, I mean, I, I would assume that the target audience for power pack would be younger children, right? I don't know. I mean, they just went through a snark war. I have no idea what that was about. Or maybe they just said like, yeah, people will read any comic books. So let's make 15 year old teenagers read about seven year olds with powers. <laughs> That's why it didn't last very long. Although they do say this is worse than worse than anything on than the Snark Wars. Yeah, Sabretooth is here, and uh, he drops down, and he's he's about ready to slice up these Power Pack kids. Katie Power Julie, is he? Oh, it's Katie. Is it Katie or Julie? Julie's the older one. Katie's the one that you know she had a little thing with Wolverine in, in issue two hundred five. Okay, and she's like Mister Wolverine, and, and Julie grabs. Or oh, is that Julie? No, no. They switched powers. So now it's Katie. Yep. So Katie grabs Franklin and says, Frank, tattletale, move. That's not Mr. Wolverine. Yeah. So initially she thought it was, and then she realized it wasn't. So she grabbed Franklin out of the way. Uh, um, Does that it, mean Frank, Franklin Richards, like his superhero name is Tattletale? Yes. That's a terrible thing. I'm sure there's a hilarious way that he came up with that, but <laughs> without knowing it, it just sounds awful. Well, he's like five. <laughs> so of course his name is Tattletale. Or maybe it's because his powers tattletale on others. Oh, yeah. I don't know. That might be a stretch. 
So there's some fighting. Um, Alex is is trying to instruct Jack on how to use his powers because he had more experience with his powers. Jack is trying to get Alex to use his former powers to, oh no, I guess it's, I don't know whose powers theirs, but he has the powers to do uh, giant pulverized balls or something like that. Jack. Power balls. Yeah. So he must have Katie's power. No, uh, Jack and... Uh, Alex switched and Katie and Julie switched. No, I don't think oh, so. Oh, you're because... right. Because Jack used to be called Mass Master because he had what Julie has now. So, yeah, so Katie so... got Julie's powers. Jack yeah, Katie got... got Julie's power. Julie got Alex's powers. Jack. No, Jack got Alex's powers. Alex got Katie's powers. Jack's powers. <laughs> no, Alex got Katie's powers. No, Alex got Katie's powers. Julie got Jack's powers. Yes. These are a lot of names. So confusing. All the X-Men fans are like, I don't care. Please move on. <laughs> Didn't you say something about Sabretooth? Uh, Sabretooth is here. Yeah. He wants to eat these little birdies for breakfast. Heck yeah, he does. So yes, the, the power packians are, uh, I don't know, would you call it floundering with their newfound powers, but they're holding their own. Yeah. Uh, Alex has these power balls, but he doesn't want to use them because he's afraid that they'll kill Sabretooth and he doesn't want to kill anybody. And I don't think Jack wants to kill anybody, but Jack's like, stop pulling punches. Like, this guy's serious. Yeah, this guy's going to kill us. So, like, blast him already. Hurt him. Like, uh, incapacitate him if you must, but do something. Uh, And and uh, Alex ends up shooting the wall above Sabretooth, um, which the tunnels collapse onto Sabretooth. In a somewhat comical panel, they all run away, and there's an arm out of the rubble shaking a fist. Yeah, in the classic, I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids. Yeah. I slammed him, but Alex stopped him. It isn't fair. I've got Alex's powers, but he still bosses me. And he still does everything best. Telltale snicket. And that's when Wolverine says, I caught your scent in the tunnels. And he's got a half shirt. Katie runs up. She's like, it is Mr. Wolverine. So maybe the rest of his shirt is tucked under. (laughs) No, it's ripped. It's like he's been. he, He just tucked it under and it looks ripped. Oh, okay. Because doesn't it, doesn't it reappear in the next issue of X-Men? It does definitely reappear in the next yeah. issue. Yeah, so, so he's just tucked it around. Uh, okay. It looks pretty ripped to me, though. Maybe he has a spare. Yeah. Okay. That's what I was saying. He just he changes. <laughs> what do you kids think you're doing down here? There's killers stalking mutants. You've seen it, haven't you? That you've guy's been here a while. Guy. You've seen. But we're not mutants. Probably... Won't stop to, they won't stop to ask. I'm tracking one of them. man called Sabretooth. And there are others. So I'm telling you that. So I'm telling you, get out. <laughs> get getting. This uh, cameo by Wolverine kind of just reminds me of like an 80s cameo in a television show <laughs> where like the TV show that's not doing so well would get a visit by MacGyver. <laughs> it's be enough like, to put him on the cover. Right. It'd be like, hey, uh, this is MacGyver saying eat your vitamins. Don't use guns. And then he runs off and like. That way in the promo, they're like, tonight's episode featuring MacGyver. <laughs> That's what this is. Tonight's episode of Power Pack is featuring Wolverine and Sabretooth. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so they're like, well, we can't uh, leave because our friends are down here. Frank dreamed about one of them, the green little kid named Leech. Wolverine He's just, probably already dead. Yeah. Listen. Get out of here. Somebody's in trouble. I can take care of them or leave them to die while I watch dog you out of the tunnels. What's it going to be? We'll leave, I promise. That's not much of an option, you jerk. <laughs> yeah. Good. So Wolverine runs off. That's the last we see of Wolverine. But the rest of Power Pack's like, what? We're going to leave Leech? Like, we, we can't do that. So they take a vote and they decide to stay in the tunnels to find Leech. And instead they find the dead body of Anna Lee. 
Julie's like, um, I promised Wolverine I would leave, and I always keep my promises, so I'm going to leave the tunnels just as soon as we find Leech. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cute panel. It's She's cute. got a funny look on her face. Yeah. And yes, we, we go from that cute, funny panel to dead Annalie and dead kids. <laughs> yeah. She's got its, its ups and it's got its downs. Uh Let's see. Poor little leech. Annalie adopted him, and she's his mom, and now she's, she's, she's murdered. Murdered, and we're all he has left. How can they be so mean? I'll bet that X-Factor is behind it, says Jack. Meanwhile, at X-Factor. <laughs> yes. Ape is here. Remember Ape? He's the guy that turns into things. He's a bed right now. Yeah, and Erg is there. Uh, Tar Baby, which I feel is a racist name, but but I can't prove it. <laughs> I, um, well, no, he, he turns into tar. Yeah, I know what he does, but I feel like it's a derogatory uh, term. Anyways. It, it, it is. I, in this context, let's just say it's not. Okay. I'm good with that. Uh, Skids runs down the um, stairs to essentially let the Morlocks know that, hey, even though you're at the X-Factor underground tunnel and X-Factor's mutant hunters, it's cool. Don't worry about it. Who's in the bed? Or who's in... Or Ape has transformed himself into a bed. Oh, it's Dreamer. Okay. Oh, yeah. What, what's the Dreamer's name? Beautiful dreamer. dreamer. Beautiful Dreamer. Yeah. And so with everybody delivered, Scott turns around. Gene wonders... Says, Where do you think you're going? Where do you think? No way. You're hurt. A miracle you weren't killed. Cracked ribs, other things maybe. Nothing that can't wait. You were planning to go back, weren't you, Gene? Listen, Gene, I left my wife and baby to be with X-Factor. And surprise, you don't like what you see. This Scott you used to love had integrity, didn't he? Well, that guy is dead. And what's left is a darn poor substitute. I don't like him much either. But he created, well, we created X-Factor partly to rescue mutants, and that's just what I'm going to do. Then you're not going back alone, says Iceman. And Beast and Gene. Well, really just Iceman. Well, I right. mean, the rest of them are there, too. That's that's pretty heavy uh, guilt trip for a Cyclops to lay on himself. We don't really <laughs> see that in the pages of X-Factor so much. Oh, we should, though. I love this Cyclops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, I I'm very self-aware. I know what I've done. I am awful. Yeah, this is this is fantastic. This is like the best written Cyclops. I, I wish I could say it wasn't Louise Simonson. But in X Factor, she doesn't bring this to the X. Why doesn't she bring this character to X Factor? I, I know because in X Factor, he's always beating around the bush. Well, you know, like, <laughs> he, he would be thinking that to himself, right? Exactly, and not actually saying it. Gee, Willikers, Scott, you're terrible. <laughs> he would think to himself. So X Factor, uh, namely. Tattletale finds Leech and Caliban. So they head off to him, but as soon as they get close to Leech, they lose their powers. Don't fly too close. Plop. They fall with a sound effect that has a mouth. Yeah, and a tongue sticking out of it. Hi, Leech. We're here to save you. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> and that's when the other, well, some different... Um, Marauders show up. You got Arc Light, you've got Scrambler, and you've got Harpoon. And that's why we had to do Thor first. Yeah, I suppose that makes Harpoon's sense. Because Harpoon's here. Well, Harpoon's. What happens to Harpoon? Well, Harpoon. Nothing happens to Harpoon. But the last time we saw Harpoon in the last episode was the end of X Factor, which happens right before what happens in Thor. So if if we did the next issue of Thor after this issue, 
Harpoon would have had to have, it, it, it wouldn't make any sense. Because between the two Thors, uh, this is going to take me way too long to explain. <laughs> Harpoon's at the end of Thor and at the beginning of the next Thor. So he's about to like fight Thor at the end of the last oh, issue of Thor. Then right. he runs over to Power Pack and then he runs back to help. Uh, I, um, I Picking up what you're laying down. Whatever his name is. Blockbuster. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. So they, they all fight. Um, they all get away from Leech so that they have access to their powers. Scrambler scrambles Katie's powers and flings her into Jack. Arclight is about to uh, take care of these two kids when um, Franklin shows up on her head in kind of like a Bugs Bunny pose. Like, Hello down there. Yeah, he, he says, what would Uncle Benji say? Uh, go back to Yancey Street, you yahoo. What's a yahoo, he thinks to himself. She tries punching at him, but this is a dream projection, so he's not actually there. Um, Julie, using mass powers, turns from fog into a very dense version of, a very small, dense version of herself. Julie Hammer. Yes. Arclight slaps her away, but I think breaks her hand because she's so dense. Yes. And she goes flying, and Harpoon throws a harpoon towards Power Pack, but Jack jumps in front and uses his powers to intercept and disintegrate it and shoot the power back, but not at them, much to Jack's chagrin later, but above uh, the Marauders. Right. Uh, Alex. Alex, right. Well, Jack is the one who's like, what are you doing? That's the ceiling. You wimp out? And Alex is the one that, that returns the bolt above them. Yes, on purpose, and he's because he doesn't want to kill him. And uh, Jack flies into Scrambler, I think, hurting him. He looks he looks quite hurt. Yeah, and uh, at that point, Jack is kind of figuring out. Well, if I was able to use my special triple G powers to hurt uh, Scrambler that much, what if I what if I quadruple the G's and punch Arclight in the face, which he does, and knocks her out. Very nice panel too. He's got it's just like a wide haymaker, but he, he hits, so it's not a, a haymaker, but just a huge punch. She goes toppling backward, like head over heels, and he's like, "Oh, I got this! It worked! Wow!" Scrambler comes to get uh, Jack, but then a, a familiar shracked sound is heard. I don't know if that's familiar, but it's Cyclops's optic beams. That's it. <laughs> Uh, Ark, let's get back. We can't fight them all, and soon they'll find the winged one called Angel and learn the cost of balking the Marauders. I guess that's right. They haven't found Angel yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, so now uh, X-Factor and Power Pack, they're all connected together. Uh, Leech is very upset about the events of what has happened. He's going crazy. He's like, Mama love Leech! Mama love Leech! Mama love Leech! Mama love Leech! And Cyclops has another wonderful moment that would have been great for the pages of X-Factor. So that's the reality. What it means to abandon a child through death or desertion. And you, poor little orphaned Scott Summers, should know that better than anyone. And not having his powers, he's able to take off his goggles and he says, come here, big fella. Listen, I know you're sad. Worried too. We'll take care of you now, okay? And listen, do you know Erg and Ape and Tar Baby? They're safe back where we live. We'll take you there because I'm a good guy. I'm Cyclops. He's not quite redeemed himself, but he's on the road to recovery. He's seeing... No, but he's thinking about things that he should have been thinking about in every issue of X-Factor. Totally agreed. 
Totally agree. And this this doesn't this does not cross over to X Factor. Obviously, Leech shows up in the pages of X Factor, but we don't get a recap of Cyclops brooding in his office or whatever, being like, "So glad I brought that Leech kid in here because it really reminded me of the tragedy I must have caused Madeline when I left her." Like, we don't get this that. Is- this is like a turning the page of the Cyclops character. As soon as we get back into X-Factor, we'll be turned back. <laughs> yeah, we will. Um, anyway, so yeah, they, they head back to X-Factor headquarters. X-Factor invites Power Pack to come with, but they're like, no, man, our parents are going to yell at us. we got to get home. Yeah. Uh, Gene and Scott stay in the tunnels because they need to find Artie. That's right, yep. And I think it gives them a chance to have a conversation in the pages of X-Factor. Well, he says... Two more saved, but Angel and Little Artie still down here. I ran out on one baby, Gene. I won't run out on another. Come on, then. Let's go find them. Gene gets zero personality in this issue. Cyclops gets all the personality, but none of it, again, none of this transfers. Are, like, this is kind of like a, a re, not a rekindling of love, but like a, a rebuilding of trust or something between Gene and Scott that's happening here, I would think. But it, 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 this is it. Like, <laughs> We, we reset the clock when we go back to the pages of X-Factor. This is a pivotal issue for X-Factor. Sort of. It's like a what-if issue. Like, what if Cyclops had a conscience? <laughs> and now we're back to the reality. Anyways, uh, back to Thor. Yeah, uh, so Power Pack uh, leaves and they do that Alex and Jack stuff where they're like, oh, he knows how to use his powers better than I do. Uh. Uh, so yes, Thor and Artie are running down the tunnels where... Artie finds Gene and Cyclops who look like they were just in a serious battle or perhaps just that Cyclops was having some realizations about himself. Yeah, maybe. And and, and what we're seeing here is not them being tired after a battle, but they were just embracing after coming to a a moment of understanding. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) I don't think they quite knew the artists here quite knew exactly what they were coming away from. Right. Uh, Cyclops is rubbing his arm as if it hurts. Uh, keep in mind, Thor's arm also still broken. Yep, which which uh, which is addressed. But there, they uh, Thor does have Angel with him, and uh, um, yeah. Guess I really couldn't carry my own weight this time. You shouldn't have come back for me. I'm not worth it. Says Angel. If you thought we walked through fire and blood to find you so that we could carry you back to the X-Factor HQ and dump you down the garbage disposal. Who's writing this? Walt Simonson. <laughs> oh, my gosh. that This was a conversation that they, they had, like, a fight this evening. <laughs> and uh, before comparing notes, like, Walt just, like, rolled over. He's like, I'm, I'm not talking to you. I'm mad at you. <laughs> you just wait till you hear what I wrote for Cyclops. It's terrible. It's all about a garbage disposal. <laughs> Um, it's pretty cheesy. You've got another thing coming, mister. Another thing coming. I wonder if that's on purpose or not. Yeah, I'm going to typo it too. <clears throat> uh, and so we get like a nice little reunion between Thor and Cyclops and uh, the rest of them. Were you not three of the members of the original X-Men some years ago when the Avengers faced Lucifer? <laughs> yeah, like 20 years ago. That was like issue 16 or something. Oh, gosh. No, it was like issue 9. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was earlier. You're right. Mm-hmm. The uniforms are new, but I recognize the name Cyclops Angels. No wonder the names seemed to fit him when he referred to Angel as Angel, although that was Angel of Death. Not sure why Cyclops says, um, that's right. He could just as easily not say anything in this panel. Or, yeah, or like, oh, I remember you too. How is Professor Xavier? Uh, fine. Uh, fine, I, I think. We're 
Yeah, we're we're X Factor now. We're we're sort of X Men graduates, I guess you could say. And that's when Cyclops touches Thor's arm. He screams, "Arg! My arm's broken!" So Cyclops whips together a uh, splint out of a ladder and uh, instructs Jean to tear apart of Thor's cape to make a sling. You should hold your arm securely till you can have it looked after, Thor. Go back to a god doctor. Gene also gets no personality in this issue. <laughs> Poor Gene. Yeah, and uh, they were like, well, shouldn't we clean this up? Like, there's a, there's a lot of dead bodies down here and stuff. And Thor's like, I got this. I know people. So clear out. Uh, try to try to get out of here pretty quickly. I'll give you, I'll give you like an hour. <laughs> I'll give you a count, hard count. And, and the, essentially the X-Factor leaves and the rest of Thor will take place towards the end of the next issue of X-Men, but we're not going to come back to it now. So uh, let's just let's just wrap it up. Does it? I'm flipping ahead. Yeah, the last page of Uncanny X, the next issue of Uncanny X-Men is when this thing that Thor does happens. Novice teams to match for the Marauders. Oh, and then there's some flames. Energy wave. Felt the atmospheric over... I'm reading ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> Careful, that's red hot. So, yeah, okay. So what happens next happens later. Yeah, so there's a short... And shortly, but this technically would happen somewhere just before the end of the next issue of X-Men. But for... Because uh, we're here now, we'll take care of it now. Uh, Hela shows up to tell... Thor that his arm is broken because she placed a curse on him that his his he can be wounded but he will never heal again but he will also never die because she made it impossible for him to die she being the goddess of death and she leaves and laughs ha 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 and he slams his hammer on the ground and says hella hella broom kakakakroom and that's when the tunnels of the Morlocks erupt in spontaneous flame. So everything, or every every body, every object that was in the tunnels, everything that is not made of the metal of the tunnels is burned to a crisp. Yep. And there was a concern, health concern. That's why uh, uh, Thor was going to, I think he was going to give them all a Viking's death, which would be opening up the gates of Valhalla for them. Or he was going to get the bodies out of there some way. Uh or was it was this the plan all along to burn them? I think this was the plan all along. Okay, because uh, there was uh, health concerns about the people on the surface, which is very nice of them. So you go. Oh yeah, yeah. Should they be left untouched, like if we left them in the tunnels, create disease? Yep. Uh, Thor's a great guy. So there you go. That's uh, for. So those of you wondering what happened to Wolverine, this hasn't happened yet. <laughs> right, Wolverine didn't. Find out next issue. Yes. He's still in the tunnels. Yeah, and, he, and he doesn't this, die. Uh, this Thor thing with his damaged, uh, his inability to heal or die, come back in, in the spoilers Mephisto versus series that we will do eventually. M Mephisto versus who? X-Men? Well, Mephisto versus is a four-part series that two of the titles are Mephisto versus X-Men and Mephisto versus X-Factor. Huh, I've never read those. Uh, there you go. They're fairly inconsequential. <laughs> I'm sure they are. But we're going to do them anyway, because that's what we do here at the Danger Room. Um, yeah. So we got we got a letter. We sure did. It's it's an H. An H. Letter H. <laughs> Show is brought to you by the letter H. Uh, and the number one. 
The number one being this one email that we got from Greg Fairholm. He says, hey, guys, just writing to say that your thoughts on the Mojo verse, if anybody remembers that conversation, is correct. Time is not really all that cut and dry in uh, the Mojo verse, much like Limbo. That is why it's really confusing to read things about it, not to mention Mojo himself. It has inconsistent powers that could argue why Betsy didn't remember who he was as well. Longshot's amnesia is an after effect of teleporting from Mojo verse. Spiral Longshot. A hinted relationship is also funky. Either they did have a relationship off panel or it's because Spiral is heavily hinted at being Ricochet Rita. We all remember her as the stunt woman from the Longshot miniseries, but never overtly stated that they are the same person. To add to that confusion, Spiral and Rita both appear next to each other, adding to that whole time is weird in the Mojoverse thing. Thanks to the great hours of the podcast and giving us listeners a little more depth uh, X-Men, uh, a little more in-depth X-Men coverage issue by, issue by issue. Keep up the good work. Now, I thought about this and I was like, oh, wow, that's really interesting. Maybe maybe Spiral was Ricochet Rita. But then there's a scene where Spiral tortures Ricochet Rita. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I just, yeah, time is weird. Maybe. I mean, I mean, it, it, even if time is weird, you don't torture yourself. Maybe. Spiral or, is... Or you don't torture yourself without there being like some sort of dramatic poignancy to it. Maybe Spiral is torturing Ricochet Rita, who Spiral becomes in the future, but goes back in time to be with Longshot. So, so when no, Spiral is torturing her, she doesn't actually know she's torturing herself. And and that would be absolutely great if that were true. However, I don't think that's ever going to come in to happen. I think I think uh, Spiral is jealous of Ricochet Rita in that series because the relationship that we think happened did already happen. Yeah, I agree. I'm just, but I I did I I thought the Ricochet Rita implication idea was neat. I just don't agree with it personally. Yeah. So there you heard it, Greg Fairholm. Adam thinks your idea is wrong. <laughs> I'm a jerk. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Um, we also got a Facebook, I'm sorry, not a Facebook, but an iTunes message uh, or, or iTunes? review. What's that? I don't know. It's something that iPhone people use to get podcasts on. <laughs> Um, great way to catch up on the history of the X-Men is a comment that TGTG left on the 1st of December. Thank you so much for that. Uh, thank you so much for everybody who's been listening to our little podcast. Yeah, we're back. If you would like to join in on the conversation or, I don't know, just communicate with us for whatever reason... Ask us what we want for Christmas. You know, whatever. Uh, you can do so by reaching us at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Danger Room Go, or email us Danger Room at redcatproductions.com. As I mentioned, we're uh, available on iTunes. I'd be happy to receive a five-star review or a comment, or you can just get our podcast from there. Whatever. Out on iTunes. Just go there. Go to the podcast section, top in da uh, Danger Room. We're the only one that'll show up. Or you can leave us a voice message and hear your voice on this very podcast, 501-GET-X-MEN, 501-438-9636. And finally, but not least, our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. That's yeah, it. Yeah, boy. That's it. That's all we got. Let's close this long sucker out. Let's close this long sucker out. All right, then. Until next time, my name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the Danger Room is closed. Danger Room.